Fox Sports Indiana, and you're listening to Small Town Sports Talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Small Town Sports Talk brought to you by Endeavor Communications. A little bit of a different episode today. We're a few days removed of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bringing home a Super Bowl. And uh, so, yeah. Dominant performance by Tampa Bay, just annihilating the Chiefs. So to talk all things NFL, we brought in my good friend. He's the graduate assistant at Ball State University for the Sportsland program that I am a part of. Very pleased to welcome Mr. Adrian Jardin. More on our conversation right after this. Jonah, do you know what is ridiculously fast? What's that, Andrew? Endeavor Communications Internet Speeds. That's right. In Indiana, basketball is everything. And if you're anything like Andrew and I, you are always streaming basketball, your favorite sports, or just your favorite shows. And hey, you're always going to need Wi-Fi. Ridiculously fast. Endeavor Communications provides Wi-Fi perfect for watching the big game, streaming your favorite shows, working, studying, and gaming all at the same time. Not only is Endeavor fast, but when you go with Endeavor, you support the whole community. Endeavor Communications is proud to serve and support our local community from homes, education, businesses, Endeavor will keep you ahead of the game. You can find out more and see for yourself at weendeavor.com. That's weendeavor.com. And tell them Small Town Sports Talk sent you. All right, we are here with Adrian Jarding. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. Both of you guys, thoughts on the Super Bowl? I'll, I'll start things off. It sucked. It was not a fun game to watch. But really... I personally was okay with it. Um, I, you know, you could talk about officials and you could talk about Brady sticking it up. I mean, it, for me, like I love defense, like defensive football is my thing. And it was a treat to watch Todd Bowles just absolutely dismantle everything the chiefs were doing. I, if anybody has a right to feel bad, it's chiefs fans because, well, I mean, obviously they lost the game, but their offense was so stubborn. Andy Reid made no adjustments. And I really felt like it was kind of a culmination of his entire career because what were, what's the two things that Andy Reid has always been criticized for? He doesn't make adjustments and he doesn't run the ball. The few times that he ran the ball, like he just, he had a ton of success. And it was like, why are you not doing it more? Was Edwards alert tired? Did they not try? They didn't even try to get Le'Veon Bell in the game and he was active. Like, I just didn't understand it, but give a lot of credit to the Bucs. I had a lot of fun watching just their defense. Um, and obviously Brady, it, it was a good game. It wasn't perfect, but he did just enough. Yeah, yeah I was I surprised to see no Le'Veon as well. But honestly, like, I was – were you not expecting, like, a much closer football game, an exciting, like, shootout, maybe last-minute drive or something? Uh, you know, that's what everybody was saying. In my heart of hearts, I thought the Buccaneers could win the game, and I thought that they could potentially run away with it. The big thing was that the moment looked too big for the, for the Chiefs. Early on, like that second drive, I, I, I remember that second, the start of the second drive, I looked at my mom, and I told her, I was like, if the Chiefs don't get anything going, they're not going to get anything going the rest of the game. And sure enough, they just – Mahomes tried to do way too much. He was definitely trying to outplay Brady. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, he has a right to be angry at his receivers. I don't know if you guys saw his post-game press conference, but he called out his teammates. It was just like, you know, they didn't do enough. He, he said he didn't do enough either, but it was just like, you know, it was a bad performance all the way around for that offense. And then the defense, I mean, 
they made no adjustments. Could they just kept the Bucks just kept attacking the linebackers and you know, I and that was the one thing that I going if you went back and watched their week twelve matchup, like that was the big thing that the Buccaneers just didn't exploit. Um, so it, when you look at all the facts, like you could say it was gonna be shootout and close, but the Chiefs just they didn't change anything. I me personally I I don't know. Just the way Mahomes is, I, I've kind of been on the bandwagon of Mahomes is going to end up the GOAT. But with that being said, uh, I think Brady completely pushed that away. And I leave it to Tom Brady to literally shatter expectations everywhere and say, I don't care what you guys think. I'm going to go win another Super Bowl, which to me was crazy. Uh, I sent a text to a group chat with Andrew in it. And I just said, like, as, as a Colts fan, I absolutely hated what I was seeing. But at the same time, Seeing Brady to Gronk twice in the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers was kind of a, a cool thing to me. So it's one of those things like when I when I get older, like like I watched Tom Brady win a Super Bowl with a different team. It was just kind of a crazy game. And not that I really expected it, but that's what happened. And it was Tom Brady that did it. So you can't really be surprised. Well, then there's there's everyone's question. Was was Tom Brady carried again by another phenomenal defense? I don't think so. Um, second half of the year, a little bit. Um, but I will say the Buccaneers turned it around. Like they got their Brady finally got the offense going. Uh, I'm trying to remember what game it was. It was late in the year, but they were playing some of the best football in the whole NFL. And there was just, they got to the point where I was like, man, like if they get the right matchups, like they literally got, I mean, the Washington at the right time. They got the Saints, and we all know that the Saints I, – I, I've always felt that the Saints were kind of done after the path, the non-pass interference call against the Rams a couple of years ago. That was kind of the moment. I was like, yeah, their clock ran out. Um, and they had been so close. What was that? I said, and they had been so close, too, like oh. every year after that, too. Well, even the like the year before, they lost the Minneapolis Miracle, and you, the next year you lose on the non-pass interference call. I mean, I I true I think the Saints would have won the Super Bowl. Like the Patriots were good, but Sean Payton would have had a much better game plan than Sean McVay. Um, so the door the door was shut, shut on them, um, and then he goes into Green Bay. That I thought that was the biggest roadblock for the Bucks. If there was one game that you look like. You know, even if they were to face the Chiefs, I said, I thought the Packers were a tougher matchup just because going up to Lambeau and playing Aaron Rodgers, who had played out of his mind this year with, you know, the same weapons that he had last year is just like, that. how did they do it? And But it was the defense and it was the offense clicking at the right time. The offense made all the right plays. They made all the right decisions. And you have to give Brady some credit. I mean, <laughs> Jameis Winston threw 30 picks last year and went seven and nine. Like, you know, just bringing a guy who can be consistent and they turn around and see what they did. And go on to win eight straight games to finish the year as Super Bowl champs. Yep. I want to ask you guys, I haven't seen a ton of talk about it online, but how much of a factor do you think it was for the Buccaneers to play in their home stadium. Do you think that like helped them in a way, or do you think the Super Bowl is one of those rare cases where they're like, there's going to be people from everywhere, the people that have my like money. And then this year, the healthcare workers, like what, what, what do you guys think about that? Personally, I, I really don't think it played too big of a role. And that's mostly, I would say because of 
uh, the COVID situation. I just, there weren't that many fans in the stadium. I don't think it made a huge difference. I wish I was a little disappointed in CBS's broadcasts. Um, I didn't think they did a good job describing what the fan atmosphere was like. Anytime there were plays, I was trying to pay attention in the audio to hear like, was it, you know, if the Bucks made a big play, was it louder than when the Chiefs did? It, it did seem to favor the Bucks. Um, that could also just been because the Bucks made a lot more big plays than. The that's team. true. I mean, you're not wrong. Like, you know, it's it very well may very well have been that case. I do think though, the one advantage that the Bucks might have had is that they understood their field better. You know, one of the things that I don't know, did you guys, did either of you watch pregame NFL Network uh, Bucks Packers? No. So one of the big things that Bruce Arians told his team was go scout the field. And Brady was out there for about a good 30 minutes, just kind of walking and all of his teammates were too, but Brady was just kind of going around, feeling the turf out, looking at all the spots, because one of the things that I I think so undervalued in football um, and the good teams like the Buccaneers this year took advantage of was going out and seeing, okay, this is where the divots are. This is where, you know, the grass maybe is a little bit higher. This is where the pellets are. So watch your footing there. Like, and that's, that's a little thing, but the Bucks know their field so well that they could take advantage of that. And I know that was one of the things actually Rogers complained about this year when they played, what was it, week five, that, you know, the Bucks field was a little bit unlevel. So maybe that played a little bit of a factor. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd be curious to know if the fans were a little bit more lopsided than what CBS showed. Well, and I, I didn't see it until after the game, and I couldn't believe it, the, the fan running out on, onto the field. <laughs> Kevin Harlan's call was great, by the way. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> what do you guys think about that situation? Because you've seen all kinds of – I've seen all the stuff where supposedly there were plus 750 odds, he bet 50K on it, made about 374000 in profit. But at the same time – I've also seen things that have said that typically websites have up to a $500 limit. And in a way you would, you could say he was breaking rules. Like, do you think that was one of those things that happened? Or do you think he was just an idiot that wanted to go out there and give himself attention? Uh, well, Jen, so Jenna Lane, um, she is one of the, the ESPN reporters for the Bucks. She posted something like hours before the game where it was a fan who said, I, mean, I don't know if this was the fan or not, but he had a sign said, if you give me your tickets, I will streak the field. <laughs> and sure enough, I went back to that tweet and I was trying to like compare what he was wearing to what the guy had on the field. I don't know if he changed clothes. I don't know if it was that guy, but that was, that was just like, wow. Like if that happened, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. What a coincidence there. <laughs> he made more trips to the end zone than the Chiefs. I did see that. Which hey. is... <laughs> well, he slid it. What he slid the one yard line though. So <laughs> did he quite get in? Or did they mark him down? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, I don't know if he was he was touched down at that point. I think he might have he might have rolled in. All right. Yeah. Well, with the Chiefs, then, like, you you obviously put some blame on Andy Reid. The Chiefs didn't make many adjustments. How much of that blame goes on Patrick Mahomes? I, I think say, oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I think at least 50%. I mean, you're the quarterback of the team, you're the leader. And 
you know, you're the guy who's supposed to rally the troops. That I mean, when you compare the guy across the field who's been there so many times, Brady looked cool, calm, and collected the entire game. And aside from a couple times when he was trying to rile up the Chiefs defenders, you know, like he was he you know, he he acted like the moment wasn't too big. And I thought Mahomes I mean, he scrambled for more yards that didn't count for anything than any quarterback this entire season. <laughs> um, and I was just like, dude, you're like, you're trying too hard. And I get, he had both of his tackles missing. Like that's definitely, you have to definitely factor that in. You can't just, it's not one of those positions where you can just plug and play. Like that truly does make a difference. But at the end of the day, you, you have to game plan around that. And Mahomes has to understand, like, you know, I don't have my normal people out there. Um, and he just, he tried to extend plays. He tried to, to do things that, you know, look great on the highlight reel, but ultimately didn't work. Yeah. I, I do think, cause I mean, he made some insane throws that were incompletions, but I do think that people see some of those and they say, Oh, Patrick Mahomes, a great game. And his teammates around didn't get anything done, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I think the difference between how Brady looked on the field and how Mahomes looked on the field was, it was a pretty big gap, for sure. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm actually gonna differ with each of you guys. I, you guys have some valid points, but I like, I think his receivers dropped four or five like touchdowns. Sure, they weren't like the best situations but like they hit him in the hands hit him in the face mask they had multiple chances in the end zone to to catch touchdowns and I think it's a much different football game if maybe even one of those happens or and like you said no adjustments the o-line I think that that hurts him as well I don't think that's a hundred percent on him so yes he can have some of the blame I think you guys are right but I think a lot of that goes on his receivers. Some of that goes on Andy Reid. It it was just a tough game for that Kansas City offense. So so you're going the route of Giselle, you can't throw and catch the ball at the same time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I know what you're saying, like the highlight reel incompletions, but that one where he was parallel to the ground – Hits him right in the face mask. Tyreek Hill, first drive of the game, it off his hands. A couple more in the end zone. I that, that makes a huge difference in the football game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I told uh, I told Andrew in our in our group chat, watching Mahomes get absolutely harassed like that was literally. It felt like we were watching Andrew Luck in the Colts. Only Luck did not have the ability to to scramble like Mahomes did. Mm-hmm. and that like you no wonder luck is retired right now because if Mahomes <laughs> if if that was every single game for Mahomes Mahomes would be gone in a matter of a year so I, I think that just kind of shows Mahomes can be electric but he can't he can't be electric with two offensive linemen and I think you gotta I think you definitely got a game plan a little better maybe try to get the ball out quicker throw it away sometimes if you have to I mean I just I don't Mahomes play style in the Super Bowl and I know a Super Bowl you have to win that is not a sustainable play style. And I don't think it'll have to be, but I just, I don't it, know. It better not be. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to ask you guys. Um, Cause I had, there were moments there where I was like, I was thinking back to actually Russell Wilson in Super Bowl 49 and gets that great Belichick, uh, arguably, 
I would say his second best defense in New England in 2014, where Russell Wilson, you know, he had kind of the, at that time, he was kind of playing that same style, but he was doing it smarter. Like, and I, I was just wondering, like, did you guys like have any deja vu moments or like, were you thinking about Russell Wilson and how he handled that moment compared to Mahomes? Huh. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really think about it in the game. Like now that, now that you say it, like, it, yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned that. And just be like being such a big Colts fan, following so many Colts accounts. It's like really like genuinely all that could kind of process every time I saw my home scrambling was like Andrew Luck. Cause like there were so many accounts <laughs> bringing that up. And that was like my original thought. So like, that's just, that was the one thing that really stuck with me as far as that went. And like, if you bring it up like that, like, Russell Wilson definitely played a better football game against that. Of course, he had his starting offensive tackles that still aren't great, but yeah, that's that's an interesting point. That was that's a lot like how Russell Wilson plays the game, and and that, now you can hear that he he's having some troubles with the Seahawks. So we'll see where that goes. So I mean, you just mentioned that. The future in Seattle may not be as the brightest when it comes to him, but like overall, as far as the Buccaneers and the Chiefs goes, like where where do you guys see those two teams being at this time next year? Do you think do you think there's a strong possibility we see these two teams in a rematch? You know, I think it's easy to say that like yes, yes, you could see them. I like you to do that every year. They just went to the Super Bowl. They did everything that a team that go in that goes to the Super Bowl needs to do. It's easy to say, yes, we could see them in the Super Bowl again. But honestly, like Brady's window is now or never, right. you think. Although he just keeps proving that wrong. <laughs> um and Mahomes, like I don't see that team really falling off too much. They I think they're still pretty darn close to the best team in the AFC, especially when they're at full health. I really do think we could see a rematch. The Bucks have a. I'll say this: the Bucks have a better chance to go back to the Chiefs. That well, that was going to be my next question: was who do you think? And I would agree with you that the, it's the Bucks. But go ahead. I, I think the Bucks. Well, a because they have a lot more players under contract, and then the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a couple of key players. Uh, I don't remember all of them at the top of my head, but they have a couple of key players that they're going to have to pay. And with the salary cap guaranteed to shrink this year because of COVID. Um, the Chiefs are really going to have to take a look at their salary structure and say, you know, okay, who can we afford to keep around? And, you know, they're going to have to rely on the draft to build up some players. Um, I personally don't think their draft class last year was anything fruitful. I mean, they had Clyde Edwards or Lair was good in the year, but I don't think he's going to turn into the guy they were hoping for, you know, and they're going to have to really hunker down and start to rebuild that roster because they just repaid Mahomes. The Buccaneers, you know, you look at their team, like Brady's, you know, he's getting paid, but he's still not getting a whole lot. Um, you know, I think the only guys they have to resign are Fournette, and I think Gronk, I think his deal's up, but I'm sure both of them are more than willing to come back. So they're both, you know, they're set. And plus, when you look at the AFC, the Browns, they're not that far away. Like, I think that they are, you know, they, this year, I want to touch a little bit on Stefanski if that's all right with you guys later, but the job that that team did this year, like they are so close. And you, I think next year, like if they have a great off season and they hit on a couple spots, like they are going to be dangerous. No pun intended. 
Um, you know, and also you look at Buffalo. I think Buffalo, you know, if they figure out their defensive situation with Leslie Frazier getting better, like the AFC is getting harder and harder every day. So, well, and then that was kind of, I would definitely say that the Bucks have the not this easier, but I think I like the Bucks chances to go back. And I think it for me, it's just the just the, when you look at the conferences, because I think the Colts are depending on what way they go, they're a quarterback away from being contenders. The Bills are they are contenders. I mean, you just mentioned that the Browns are contenders. Obviously, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And then you still have teams like the Titans and the Ravens that are sitting right there that could, are also just as capable of making runs. So like depending on how the, the way, the way they structure the playoffs, I mean, you got seven teams that easily could be in the Super Bowl next year in the AFC. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Let's, let's uh, get into that Colts QB conversation. We got three Colts fans here. It's small town sports talk, the small town, the hometown Colts. Uh, where where are they going with the QB situation? Don't I'll let you take that one first. <laughs> I can't say that I know where they'll go. Um, so so I mean let let's like let's think about this. What are our options here? Carson Wentz, right? The Darnold potentially available. Mm. Matt Ryan potentially. I've I've heard about Derek Carr. He might be available, and then all of a sudden now Russell Wilson. Maybe just maybe he's available. Yeah, yeah, and then you can trade up in the draft. Um, I just it's, there's so many options. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think if we can get Wentz for cheap, as far as like well, we give up. I think Wentz is the best option. I don't think there's any way the Eagles are getting their two first round picks that they're trying to come out and say they want. Like that that is not a shot. Um, I don't really know what I'm okay and not okay with giving up. To be honest with you, I've just I, I trust Ballard. I think out of all the options, I would probably go Wentz. And if it's not Wentz, I would kind of – I think I would want to trade up in the draft. I know for me, and I, <laughs> the guy I've wanted since day one when Rivers retired was Matt Ryan. Look, two years ago, if we sh- if the NFL handed out MVPs the way they should be handed out, Matt Ryan should have been MVP. I know the Falcons sucked, but when you look at his numbers, when you look at what he did with that team, they were pitiful, and he still put up numbers that were just insane. And you look at this year, they didn't lose games because of him. They lost the games because Dan Quinn had no idea how to manage the game. You know, they were putting up points, like, just unbelievable, and they couldn't win games. Like, Matt Ryan, like, if he were to come to this team, he wouldn't be asked to – perform miracles he would be asked to perform you know manage the game do what you do and the Colts have a great defense like you wouldn't have to have a 42 point game and lose like that's just not gonna happen um I I, then there's really nobody else like you know unless Russell Wilson who I highly doubt Seattle is gonna get rid of yeah like you know there's nobody else out there I the only guy, the one guy I do not want is Wentz. I don't care how much history he has with Reich. He has burned too many bridges in Philly. I've heard there's so many reports that he's not a good locker room guy. Like, I don't, I wouldn't give up even a third round pick for him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Some uh, harsh words for Wentz. And I agree. Like, <laughs> Matt Ryan, like, that, that guy was a game 
mismanagement away from winning the Super Bowl. Um, so, so if you bring him to Indianapolis, that's that's best case scenario. I agree. But also, I I have heard that the Falcons are not interested in that. But who knows? Same thing. Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm more high on Carson Wentz than uh, AJ is, but I think probably a little less than Jonah. Uh, um, Carson Wentz would, again, if it's not for much, absolutely. What do you, um, like, about, what do you like about him? I just, I like, and I know part of it, it's hard to look at just because of like the way he played last year, but like pre-injury Wentz, like the year that I guess, honestly, I look at the year when he was up there in the MVP conversation. And I think, man, if we can get that out of him, it's just like the, the, the small sample size of what we have seen of him, I guess I'm kind of letting outweigh the, the more long-term average bad play. I, but I think, I feel like that spurt that he had of MVP level play is probably, I don't know. I just, I look at that and I think we get, we have an opportunity to, I kind of like where our weapons are right now. I think we have a pretty decent opportunity to bring in a couple more, and I feel like he could be pretty solid with weapons around him. And an O-line because he's just been yeah. chased around his whole career. And he can scramble decently well. And Jonah and I have been talking. We want a QB who can move more than Phillip Rivers. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that. Um, but so – I don't know. Yeah, Carson Wentz was an MVP. Like he was the MVP for me until he got hurt in like week fourteen or something. Would you not worry about because there's been a lot out there about him being a locker room headache and not really respecting his teammates? Like, would you not worry about him coming in here, like and disrupting the great culture that this team is trying to build, or he could just be a fresh start? I kind of look at it as a fresh start, and and I feel like the Colts locker room is such a positive and like good locker room. Like, I feel like it would be hard for someone like that who, and I mean, unless he just totally feels that none of this is on him. Like I feel like for someone like him who kind of needs like a, a fresh start, I, I doubt he'll come in here and just kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm the guy, you know what I mean? I feel like it would be hard for him to come in and just like be a terrible locker room guy. Cause like I was listening to the Pat McAfee show earlier today and this is the second time DeForest Buckner's been on there talking extremely highly of how they respond when they have like some guys come in. So I like I, I don't really worry about that too much. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, Wentz would be all right for me. That's probably the most realistic option, I think, in terms of quarterbacks who could be moved. Um, and I, I really I'm not super interested in trading up for uh, a rookie this year. Fair enough. You guys like Eason or what you've heard about him? I think like, – I don't know. I personally like the idea of Eason in the future. I just don't know if I'm ready to say, Eason, you're, you're the guy. No, yeah, that's we, fair. Just because I, I don't – I mean, so so let's say we start with Eason at QB1 this year. Would we have Brissett at QB2? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I really want – I don't know. <laughs> I guess yeah. if, I, if I'm going to rely on a – I kind of look at Easton almost as a rookie just because he hasn't played any – literally any meaningful – if I'm going to have a rookie, I would kind of – I would prefer to have a guy like potentially Fields or Zach Wilson or like Lance. Like, I don't know. I just like those guys better than I would Easton as QB1. 
I think I would take Eason over those guys. Like for what you would have to give up, I would rather just. And that that is a, that is a fair point with having to give up stuff to go get another young quarterback. He, he what do you think? Too. He spent the year. I mean, look at the room that he was in. He was with Frank Wright, who obviously was a player and now head coach. You've been. You have Philip Rivers, who's probably on his way to the Hall of Fame. You have Jacoby Brissett, who's been. You know, he's been around Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Like he's been a. You know, these are guys who have. Eason was learning a lot from, um, and I know that you know, Ballard at the end of the year said that Eason, you know, he, he felt bad that they didn't have preseason, but he said he, we're really high on him, and and Ballard just doesn't say that about anybody. So like he's, I mean, he's always been pretty honest. You know, I mean, last year with Ebron, like he was just like, yeah, we're gonna move on. Like, you know, he right, doesn't, yeah. he's not just gonna throw that out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, overall, I, I don't know. I don't think it would be a terrible thing. I just, I, I would prefer to have, I don't want a veteran that's only going to be here a year or two and leaving in because I'm kind of ready to have a, like a little bit of a, almost like a long-term quarterback, whether that's five years, you know, but I think I would rather have a little bit of a more established quarterback in a year like this when we have a legitimate chance to go and make noise. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With the team you have, you go, you go get your Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, whatever you can, yeah, in terms of that, I, I I agree. So I gotta ask, say what like let's just say Russell Wilson becomes available. What do you guys think it would take? Not oh, not even just the not even just the Colts, any team. What what do you think you, a team has to give up for someone like Russell Wilson? Well, at first you gotta look at Matt Stafford, which was two firsts, a third, and a starting, like probably top twenty quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think it takes more to get Wilson or do you think it takes more to get Deshaun Watson? Oh Watson. You think so? Yeah, I would agree there. Just because he's younger and probably will be better to potential probably. I think success wise, I think Watson is worth more, but I think kind of the way that Watson has been so out loud about he's either going to be traded or he probably won't play. I think that kind of I think that's why almost in a way Wilson could be more valuable as far as what you have to give up to trade for him now. But I do think that Wilson overall would probably be worth more if you kind of didn't look at the other stuff. If that makes any sense. I'm I don't know. No, I get what you're I get what you're saying there. Like, you know, with Wilson, like, you know, we have to keep in mind, well, Wilson's been to two Super Bowls, he's been to big games. And he's been to the playoffs how many times the past couple of years? Like, you know, you're not, he's, unfortunately, he's never been in the MVP conversation. I thought he should have won it the year Lamar won it. But um, so, you know, he's, he's played at a high level. It's just John Watson, you look side and you look how just, I mean, you talk about a mirror situation of Andrew Luck. Like, it's literally what's happening in Houston is, you know, it's the exact same situation, just 10 times worse because, at least, you know, the Colts figured it out before kind of figured it out. I don't think Houston has their stuff together. Um, so, you know, but I, I get what you're saying there with Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. A Wilson package has got to be like four years first, at least. Um, it's an, it would have to be it's, an insane it's, amount. It's unrealistic. Yeah. Well, so, like, but you guys brought up the Matt Stafford deal. Like, that was 
the Rams trying to offload his contract. Like they were giving up stuff just to say, look, we don't want, you know, please deal with this contract. Like, you know, the, that's why, like, I don't really, I, I saw a lot of people were talking about, well, if he's worked out, what's Watson worth? I'm like, well, they're kind of two different situations. The Rams were desperate to get rid of that cap. So, you know, I, and I'm sure Houston definitely looks at it that way. They're like, well, if he's that worth that much, how much is Watson worth? Like, but you know, if you're every, every other team who has any semblance of a brain, like they would look at that and say, well, that's a different situation. Well, you looked Philadelphia with that and said the same thing. So exactly. My last uh, question for both of you guys, and it's just kind of, it's more of a broad thing. Um, let's say the Colts were to go out, whether, whether it's Matt Ryan, whether it, it's a vet, more of a veteran type court, like quarterback where they say, okay, yeah, we, we want to win this year, next year, than that year after, like they kind of establish that they're looking at right now, who are a couple free agents that you guys would really be looking at and say, okay, let's bring him in. Hmm. Jonah, I'll tell you what, I haven't, I haven't looked too far into that free agent class. Or even in the draft, I guess what's what is the say we get the quarterback taken care of as far as free agency goes. Do you where do you go in the draft round one? Do you take an offensive line to fill Costanzo's gap, or do you? I, I think it's that left tackle spot first. Yeah, I would say that's most pre- in the draft. That's most pressing. Yeah. In, in terms of free agents, I mean, probably the biggest one this year. I mean, it's going to depend on what he wants to do with, but Ben Roethlisberger. I, I don't know if Pittsburgh, you know, that's a very fluid situation. I don't know, you know, he's either going to say, look at Brady and say, well, I can go somewhere else and win. I want out of here. Or Pittsburgh could say, well, we're not going to, you you're either have to con- or honor your contract or you're going to have to be let go. You know, I'm sure Roethlisberger probably wants out and he probably wants to go somewhere else for a year, but who knows if the Steelers will let him. Right. Uh, Jonah, who do you want? As far as what goes, I mean, I uh, free agency. Free agency I don't know. I kind of heard that potentially Kenny Galladay might be available. I would, I would like to see Ty come back just because of w- the way we saw Ty play at the end of the year. I feel like that to me is my number one priority is finding a way to get Ty back in a Colts jersey, and then again maybe one more receiver. Other than that, I, I don't know. I, I'll let Ballard handle the rest. <laughs> Yeah, trust in Ballard. And T.Y., think, I think, yeah, that's yeah, the heart yeah. right there. Absolutely. <laughs> what, do you get a hometown discount, though? Oh, I don't know if did it. Yeah. T.Y. Was, go ahead. I, T.Y., I feel like, has been a little more, and I don't know if it's more just to kind of stir stuff up. He's kind of – I feel like T.Y. has really kind of emphasized on social media that, like, he if he – wants to come back and play for the Colts for the player he is. He wants to like, he wants the Colts to show him that respect and like, not just look at him as, Hey, uh, he's an any boss Colt, but at the same time, he's like a good football player that you need to pay the money. So I think, I don't know. I, I do think T Y will say if he's got offers better, that is a better situation. I don't think T Y is just going to say, Hey, I'm going to stay in Indy just to stay in Indy. Well, do you think he's worth that? I don't, see, it's hard because I, I mean, you just don't know what you're gonna get. If if you if you if if you are guaranteed a season like what we just had, I would probably say maybe not, just because I don't know if I want six to seven good games and the rest just average. You know what I mean? 
very below average. I also, the one thing though, I, I value, I, and I value this just a little bit more just because football culture, but having that veteran guy who's been with the organization forever, who understands what this team is like, you know, I don't think you can completely discount what that means. And even if he's not going to be productive, like, you, I mean, Michael Pittman talked about this year, just how much, uh, how important his relationship with TY was and learning how things work around there. You know, because as we saw, Pittman finally grew. I mean, the first part of the year was a big struggle for him, and he finally, second half of the year, started showing up in some bigger moments. And I think you could probably equate a lot of that to just learning from Ty and learning how things are done. You know, and so I, I don't think you completely discount just how much that leadership and having a guy who's been here forever means that organization. Yeah, absolutely. I, I understand that. And I, th- I think he's still doubt it. And I mean, from what AJ just mentioned, like Reggie Wayne during the first part of TY's career, huge role. Yeah. yeah like, obviously he was still a good football player. I think TY still got some good football left in him, but like that leadership role that Reggie played TY easily doing the same, like AJ just mentioned. Absolutely. I don't know. Any of you got anything else? I think I've kind of covered everything I want to talk about before. Maybe later on, obviously, we'll have another episode where we get more in depth of actual offseason moves. But as far as Super Bowl recap goes, I think I've hit all the points that I want to hit. Do you guys have anything else? You're more than welcome to go ahead. I just had one thing I wanted. I want. I mentioned Stefanski earlier this year. You know, I. At the end of the year, I, I, I told everybody who would listen, like, if Stefanski doesn't win coach of the year, I'm going to be mad. And thankfully he did win because what when you look at the Browns the past two years, what has been the big issue? It's not talent. When you look at their roster, they should have players in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. It's been culture. And the big thing when they hired Stefanski, like, I, was, I wasn't wow about it because he'd been with the Vikings for, what, 13 years, 6 06 to 19. Like, he'd been there with Favre and Peterson. Like, he'd been, you know, he'd only been with one organization. So when Stefanski got hired, I was just like, is he going to be the guy? And sure enough, like, he was above and beyond. And you heard yeah. players talk about what he did. You know, Miles Garrett turned the corner just as a person. Baker Mayfield finally started to – kind of shape up his act and you, you saw a team that actually like performed I remember when they played the Colts I was just like wow this isn't the same Browns team that we've seen for the past how many years like they are legit and I think that next year like they they are definitely sh- should be on everybody's radar especially you know if, if the Ravens don't start getting their stuff together like and you know who knows what happens what's going to happen with Pittsburgh but Cleveland Cleveland is definitely going to be a factor next year one hundred percent, yeah. And I mean, you meant great coaching and the amount of talented youth, like not just youth, but like the star power and the youth that they have. I think is a very scary thing, for sure. Andrew, yeah, a lot of good teams next year. Uh, we'll see for more, but I, I think that'll do it, Jonah, for this episode of Small Town Sports Talk. We got some good Super Bowl recap. Being a Indianapolis Colts fan, never nice to see Tom Brady win one, but no. uh, Tampa Bay getting a huge win, and then some good Colts football talk. We'll see about the QB situation. AJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. And that'll do it. You can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. 
whether that be Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. I'm Andrew Willett with Jonah Freeman for Small Town Sports Talk, brought to you by Endeavor Communications, excuse me, this time with Adrian Jardine. That's SC Square.